Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. So we're in the podcast studio. We're about to record an emergency what to do with your mortgage podcast. And this has happened. Attention, please. <laughs> Attention, please. The fire alarm is about to be tested. <laughs> Let's take no action. Uh, there you go. Oh, there you go. That was just a drill that caught us out in the FT studio. But what's happened in the property market this week has been anything but a false alarm. The past week has been a wild one for UK property following the fallout from the mini budget last Friday. Mortgage lenders have pulled well over 1,000 products from the market. Predictions that interest rates could hit 6% or more next year are hugely worrying for homeowners who face paying hundreds of pounds a month more for their home loans in future, as well as those still hoping to get on the property ladder. Plus, there could be implications for renters and there are even predictions that property prices could crash. So what exactly has happened on the markets to cause all of this upset and what on earth can we do about it? Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast about personal finance and investing from the Financial Times. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. At a time when it's more difficult than ever to second-guess what's going to happen in the property market, we thought it made sense to devote a whole episode of Money Clinic to the questions that you're asking us about mortgages. With me in the FT studio today, I've got two fantastic experts to throw some light on the current confusion, as well as giving us practical tips for navigating our way through it. But as always, a reminder that the views discussed on Money Clinic are just that, our opinions. You need to do your own research. Money Clinic is not intended as financial advice, and you may well want to discuss your individual situation with a mortgage broker. But for now... On with the show. Let's start by introducing our guests. First, James Pickford, please introduce yourself to our listeners. I am Deputy Editor of the Money Section, and I write about mortgages and property for the FT. And I should say, you are my main man at the FT. We've worked together for nearly nearly 15 years now. So fantastic to, to have you on the podcast. And a very treasured contact of both of ours, Andrew Montlake. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, I'm honoured to be here. I'm Andrew Montlake and I'm the Managing Director of Mortgage Brokers Corico and also Chairman of the Association of Mortgage Intermediaries. Well, we're really grateful that you could drag yourself away from a very, very busy office to come and be with us today. Now, in a moment, we're going to hear from Money Clinic listeners who all week have been sending through their mortgage questions and concerns, thanks to everybody who did. But let's start by talking about what on earth has been going on in the property market this week. Now, James, starting with you, you've written a ton of stories for the FT since the mini budget was announced last Friday. Could you give listeners the condensed timeline? 
the Chancellor came out with a number of very surprising policies, uh, big tax cuts. And borrowing to and fund them. Borrowing to fund them. And international markets, uh, bond traders in UK gilts, which are the UK government bonds, caused their, their yields on those bonds to jump by a record amount just in that period. So the reason that matters for mortgage lenders is that they use what's called swap rates to price their mortgages. And swap rates are connected to those, those gilt mm, The prices. price of one the sets pri- the price, price of another. The price of another, yeah. And so they found that suddenly swap rates were jumping around all over the place, uh, mainly higher, but they were still unable to price their mortgages in a way that would see the day out or see the hour out because swap rates were moving around so much. And in fact, they continued to do so. So on Monday, um, lenders started pulling rates. On Tuesday, overnight, you had 935 products withdrawn, which is a record. And then the pulling of rates. When I say pulled rates, this means that the products that people can mm. can apply for. If they're buying um, a home or if, if they're, they're remortgaging buying a home their property. Remortgaging your classic mortgage. And these are fixed rates. So this is your two-year, your three-year, your five-year, 10-year fixed rate where you know that you will be paying a certain rate over that period. And they simply disappeared from the market. I mean, uh, it, it makes sense because if you're trying to lock into a future rate for a number of years, the market's going haywire. The mortgage lenders can't work out where rates are going to be, what prices they should set. The only option left open to them is to just shut up shop Absolutely. temporarily. Absolutely. Well, temporarily, we hope. Well, Andrew, I'll bring you in here. So the end result is thousands of, of mortgage products have been pulled, but the hysteria resulting from mm. this and fears that interest rates are going to hit 6% next year has, of course, concentrated everyone's mind on how can they lock into a fix before rates rise further. So this this horrible situation in, in markets right now. Yeah, absolutely. And we've had lots of calls from very worried clients, um, both pre-application and even during their application, some of whom have got offers who are worried. They've seen a lot of the headlines and they're reading into it that actually their mortgages are at risk, even if they've got offers. Now, the good news is that isn't true. So basically for anyone who's actually made an application, then your rate should be safe. Certainly, if you've got an offer these days, it's all about a binding offer. So again, your rate should be safe. So there's no worry there. Um, But the mayhem it has caused from a, in my opinion, a sort of an an ill-thought-out couple of statements without Mm. having it checked for affordability by the Office of Budget Responsibility There there are many who share your views, Andrew. (laughs) Um, has, Has caused this unnecessary mayhem. Okay, well, we're going to move on to your questions now. We had a huge response to our shout-out earlier in the week, and we're going to start with people who got in touch about remortgaging, those who are coming to the end of a fixed-term mortgage and are negotiating the next step. Now, our colleague Sarah O'Connor, the employment correspondent, tweeted earlier in the week, if you're a homeowner with a mortgage, your happiness is highly likely to correlate directly with the length remaining on your fixed rate <laughs> deal. So this is certainly borne out in two of the questions that we've had in from listeners. So we'll just play those for you now. My fixed rate mortgage comes to an end in the next seven months. Do I wait until three months before to get another deal or pay an exit fee to get another deal now? We bought our first property last year. 
We have a two-year fix at an interest rate of just over 2%, and it will end in May 2023. We can see that remortgage rates right now are over 4% already. So should we pay the early repayment charge and fix a new rate now, before the Bank of England raises interest rates again? And if so, should we fix for two or for five years? Okay, so some common dilemmas there from people who are remortgaging. Andrew, do you want to give us your thoughts first on this terrible choice that that people are now facing? Yeah, and this is our most common question at the moment that people are are asking us. Um, So if your rate is coming to an end in the next seven months, as one of the questions were, it is worthwhile talking to a broker right now. Because a lot of mortgage offers these days are valid for up to six months. So you can actually start the process going now and lock into a rate with the idea that actually you'll be able to complete in seven months' time. Um, It's really important also to find out what your existing lender will offer you. And a lot of those lenders actually don't give those rates away until you're within six months or sometimes three months. But that's not a problem because what we're doing for people is making a mortgage application now, locking into a rate, and then when the product transfer rate is available from their existing lender, we're then comparing it to the rate we've reserved for them. And if that product transfer rate is better, it's still okay to switch on to that. Now, I suspect that people who are waiting for that rate will find that those rates will be more expensive in three months' time and actually locking into a rate now is more beneficial. Um, If you're a little bit further away than seven months or so, then there's a simple calculation to make around what are your existing penalties. So most fixed-rate mortgages come with redemption penalties. So if you leave that mortgage, you have to pay them. And it depends what that is. Some have 5% penalties. And that's 5% of the value of the, of the loan. Of the value of the loan. But some, if you, especially if you're in the last year, will only be 1% of the loan amount. So there's a calculation to be had about how much of those penalties, what rate can you fix onto now, and what price do you personally put on having the security of fixing into a rate now and not having sleepless nights. Mm. So these are the calculations we're we're doing and, and we're going through that with borrowers now. So let's say you are somebody who secured a mortgage offer, either from a lender directly or through a broker, and you're intending to remortgage or buy a property in the weeks and months to come. Will lenders stick to their side of the bargain or could they rescind the deal? Um they can only rescind the deal if you haven't made an application. So that's really the key point. So what you're seeing a lot, uh, are reading a lot of some of the comments in the press and people who are disappointed is people who've just got an agreement in principle. Hmm. So if I'm thinking about going out buying property, the best thing to do is see a broker or speak to your lender and actually get what's called an agreement in principle. Now that's just an agreement to lend a certain amount of money at a certain rate at that moment in time. It's not an actual offer. It's not an actual offer. So if it takes you a week to find a property and then you come back and then you apply, you might find that that rate has gone. So apart from 
one lender or, or a couple that will actually give you a bit of time. The majority of lenders, that, that doesn't mean that rate is fixed. Once you've actually found the property, made an application to the lender, then 999 times out of 1,000, that rate is secure um, and there's no problems. Once you've got an offer, these days that's a binding offer. So you should be absolutely fine. So the key is, and this is a problem, mortgages are a really big investment and it takes time to think about. The problem now is that I can speak to someone at nine o'clock in the morning, advise them one way, they go off with their agreement in principle and I have to phone them at midday and say, I'm really sorry, but the rate is going at five o'clock and it's going up by half a percent, 0.7%. You have to make a quick decision. So people at the moment, if they're looking to buy, need to make quick decisions. Well, thank you very much for explaining that so clearly. James, it's certainly been a busy time on the FT money desk because everyone who's been walking past has been saying, Claire, James, could you write a story? And also, give me some advice because my mortgage rate comes to an end in X and what should I do? I wouldn't necessarily consult a journalist for advice on my mortgage, (laughs) but um, but it was interesting. The second uh, listener was talking about um, whether to fix for two years or five years. And, you know, over the last decade of ultra low rates, the standard thing has been that the two year fix is the cheapest thing on the market. Um, And it gets more expensive as you go for a longer fix, five years and then 10 years used to be pretty expensive. But <laughs> what we have now is, is a reversal of that, where if you look at uh, fixed rates that are currently offer, on offer from Barclays, um, their 10-year fix is cheaper in interest terms than its two-year fix or its five-year fix. So th- it's completely switched around because mortgage lenders are more certain or are prepared to give you an offer over a longer period of time where the cost of borrowing that money for them is is cheaper than the short period where the cost of borrowing on the wholesale markets at two years is higher for them. Mm. And what risks could homeowners be running if they do want to go for that certainty and lock into a long-term, a five, a seven, a 10-year rate? Well, um, Andrew's mentioned early repayment charges that you have to pay, which are stepped. So as you move through a five-year mortgage, it's, it's more expensive to give it up in the first year than it is in the, in the third or fourth year. And the same applies to 10-year fixes. But really, I suppose it's a, <laughs> you're making a judgment, which is almost unknowable, as so much of this is, about whether the rate you fix into now on five or 10 years is going to end up looking really expensive in, mm. in you know, year seven or eight, because who can possibly know what interest rates will be doing then? There is a school of thought that base rates will, will fall back in 2024. But, you know, no one's really been right on these these base rate mm. <laughs> predictions <laughs> so far. So it, it is a very much a difficult call, that one. I mean, I, I, I should just add <laughs> yeah. that actually, personally, and, and this is completely personal, I would go for certainty. And this is what people want. Actually, if there's one thing about your personal finances you can nail down, it is the cost of your mortgage. Mm. So if it's a bit more expensive, I mean, you certainly can't do it for your electricity bill, for instance, but but you can at least know what you will be paying over the next five years, seven years. Mm. Now, let's hear from a listener who is considering doing away with a fixed-term mortgage altogether. Given the likelihood of a recession, which usually means a cut in interest rates, 
would it make sense to opt for a two-year fixed rate or go for a floating rate now, taking the short-term pain to be able to fix in a few years at lower rates? Well, Andrew, a few people in the FT office, I have to say, (laughs) are considering this one. Do you think that that could be a good tactic, ride out the volatility and then lock into a fixed term in a few years when long-term rates hopefully come down? Um, I've always said to people, it's very, very difficult to judge the markets. It's very difficult to play the markets. We do not know what is going to happen in two years' time. So our job is to make sure that people do the best for them at that snapshot in time and then don't look back in anger, to quote an Oasis song. Um, Basically, so as I said before, there are times now when actually a discounted rate or a tracker rate, potentially with no penalties, might be okay for people. But they're only good for people who are not going to be up every night, or certainly the night before a bank base rate announcement, sweating and not sleeping. Mm. So it's you have to look at fixed rates as a bit of an insurance policy. Uh, and sometimes you overpay a little bit for that peace of mind. And that's fine. So it's a really difficult question to answer generally. But once you actually sit in front of someone and understand their attitude to risk, understand their plans, understand their personal circumstances, then it becomes clearer whether or not that person should be taking or is comfortable to take a risk and sit on a variable rate or a tracker rate versus someone who actually would be better off with a fixed rate, either a two-year fixed rate or a five-year fixed rate. Because cast your mind back to the start of this year, we didn't know there'd be a Russian invasion of Ukraine. We didn't know the Queen would die. We didn't know we'd have a new king and a new prime minister. You can't predict these things. So it's really important to do what's right for that client at that precise moment in time. Now, we're going to talk about help to buy now. This is the government scheme that's helped lots of first-time buyers to get on the property ladder by being able to borrow much larger sums of money. So this listener, Joe, is coming up to the end of his fixed-term deal and he's a bit worried about the level of equity in his property. I'm 34 and used a help-to-buy mortgage to buy my first home, which meant I only needed a small deposit of 5%. I currently have a five-year fix, which expires in May 2023, so the earliest I can lock in a remortgage deal would be November. Then I'll have to decide between fixing for two or five years, but I feel vulnerable because I'm still in a relatively high loan-to-value ratio. My fear is that falling property prices could reduce the amount of equity in my home further still, potentially leaving me exposed to even higher mortgage rates. My long-term goal would be to overpay the mortgage to save on interest and pay it back sooner. I'm currently due to finish paying it at 63. How should I go about weighing up my options? Mm, I mean, the real thing that sticks in my mind there is I'm currently due to finish repaying my mortgage at 63. I mean, we've got two problems here. We've got really long-term mortgages where debts have been stretched out, and then we've got the original valuation used to buy the home. I mean, Andrew, we're old enough to remember negative equity, but for Mm. listeners who don't know what it is, Your quick one-minute explanation. So a very quick explanation is if you're purchasing a property for £500,000 and you get a mortgage of £450,000, then that's fine. If house prices fall, and potentially they fall quite dramatically, 
So your house is now valued at £440,000, but you've still got a mortgage of £450,000. Your mortgage is higher than the value of your property. Mm. That's negative equity. And if you had to sell your property, you would then be in the unenviable position of having to repay that mortgage, even though you no longer own the house. Correct. Absolutely. So even if you sold your pro- your house for 440, there'd still be £10,000 in that example that you would have to pay back to the lender yourself. Mm, really horrible situation to be in. It hasn't been a feature of the UK property market for decades. No. But there's a real possibility, isn't there, that some younger buyers could go into negative equity or could find that the loan-to-value ratio, the size of the mortgage related mm. to the size of their property, could prevent them from accessing the most competitive mortgage rates on the market. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a we always look at property as a long-term investment and negative equity is only a problem if it comes up at the period that you need to sell or you need to remortgage. Um, Now, longer term, if you look at property prices over the long term, usually they will always be higher. And and we've seen that if you take any 10, 15 year period in history, generally house prices are higher at the end of that period. Um, But that's not to say that will continue forever. And certainly we're going into a tricky period now, especially if we go into a recession where house prices could certainly plateau and maybe even fall in certain areas. So those most exposed are those on 95% mortgages, especially if they've got the help to buy scheme. Um, So it is a difficult question. And the unsatisfactory answer is that, unfortunately, for a lot of these people coming up to remortgage, there will be a dearth of choice available for them. Mm. The good news is that the lender that they are with at the moment should have good retention products that they can switch on to. So even if you find yourself slightly in negative equity, that doesn't mean that you either have to sell the property or that the lender you're with at the moment will just ask you to pay back the mortgage. They will have some rates that you will be able to go on to, but unfortunately they won't be the cheapest on the market. Now, Let's move on to the subject of new purchases. Lots of listeners got in touch with Money Clinic because they're looking to get on the property ladder and they're very rattled about what's been happening in the markets. Here is what some of them had to say. We're planning to buy a property in the next six months. Can we lock into a mortgage deal now before rates rise further? I'm a first-time buyer and I've saved a deposit of £60,000. I'm planning to buy a two-bedroom new-build apartment in Cambridge for £430,000. But I'm concerned about whether I should go ahead with this as I feel the macro trends are not looking good. As this apartment is a new build, it'll only be ready next April and I am very concerned about the timeline slipping. Any thoughts be appreciated. Well, these two people, both looking to buy in the next six to eight months, I mean, James and Andrew, one of the biggest worries is what's going to happen to property prices because that will affect the level of what they're able to to borrow, the affordability ratios get your crystal balls out, lads. What do you think might happen? Well, I agree that with the, the second uh, listener, the macroeconomic picture is is worrying. You know, we're, we're heading into recession and some, some people think we already are in recession. We have inflation heading upwards. 
uh, interest rates rising as a result of that. Predicted to be 6%, to be the base 6%. rate yeah. by next bear month. In mind, bear in mind, you know, this time last year, you could have got two-year fix for 1.2%. You could be looking at 6 plus this time next year. Things are not looking great. If I were in that position, if it were possible to just pause, then that's probably what I do. But I'm not an advisor. I mean, I, that that would be my feeling. You want to see what happens not only uh, in the short term to interest rates and the lending conditions, but you want to see whether house prices you know, start to come off. And we've seen this morning nationwide have shown a slight drop-off in house prices moving from double digits to single digits, um, annual growth. Okay. Andrew, I'll bring you in here. So new build properties, mm-hmm. often mortgage lenders, are a bit nervous about those because it's like a new car. As soon as you drive it off the forecourt, the the price drops. So tell us your views on the new build market first, and then we'll ask about the listener who wants to lock in a mortgage deal before he buys a property. Yeah, well, actually, you've just taken my line. That's exactly, that's a great explanation of of new build prices. Um, It's really hard to value a new build property uh, because, A, there's not much comparable evidence because it's it's new. Um, And secondly, because, as you rightly said, there's that never been lived in before premium that as soon as you move into it, it it's worth slightly less because now it's a second-hand property rather than a new property. Um, So I think basically anyone looking into a new build needs to go in with their eyes open. They need to get proper advice, especially if they're looking at the help-to-buy scheme, even though that that closes at the end of next month. Um, I think you can still just about get in. Um, And uh, it's, it's an interesting time for new build because what we don't know is is there going to be any replacement for help to buy? Mm. And once help to buy goes, mortgage lenders aren't going to suddenly be falling over themselves to lend 90 or 95% loan-to-value on new-build flats. So there could be a little bit of an issue in in that market, and you could actually see new-build prices and values fall that little bit further because of that. So it's about thinking really carefully about whether to get a new build or not, and getting some proper professional advice. Now, as for the listener who's planning to buy in the next six months and wants to lock into a mortgage Mm. deal before rates rise further, just tell us a little bit about the timeline of that. Presumably, they'd have to find a property before a lender would give them a firm offer. Yes, Yes, absolutely. So, again, you you can get an agreement in principle, but that doesn't actually lock you into anything. So, if you're looking to buy a property now, the sooner you find one the better Um, and then it's a case of actually just getting your application in as quickly as possible and then the mortgage is is locked so there's no way of locking in to a mortgage rate now without that property okay now we're going to move on to stamp duty last friday the chancellor quasi quarteng raised the threshold at which stamp duty kicks in that's a tax on the price of buying a new property it was 125,000 now the threshold has moved up to 250,000 and if you're a first time buyer it's gone up from 300,000 to 425,000 here's a question about that i'm looking to buy a property and wondered what effect the experts think the stamp duty cuts will have on prices james what did you make of that question 
Yes. Uh, the, I mean, when we had the last stamp duty move during the pandemic recovery, uh, it caused a huge boost to prices, to activity, and it, it really, really sort of drove uh, house price activity. The trouble is this is a completely different uh, set of conditions we're facing now. And it's not at all clear. In fact, it's quite likely that any gains you will make from uh, a stamp duty saving will be swallowed up by the moves in interest rates that are happening in the market because of the reaction on the bond markets to, to the Chancellor's plans. So from that point of view, I'm not sure that stamp duty makes anything other than a marginal difference. Are there any other factors that could contribute to house prices going down? Um, there's a whole range of factors that can contribute to house prices going down. Um, and a lot of that is around a worry at the moment that there are a lot of people who are coming up to remortgage who are experiencing payment shock. And that's important because if you're on a fixed rate of, say, 1.5% now and you're going to be remortgaging onto a fixed rate of around about 5.5% now, some people are going to struggle with that and, that and that's the worry. So what we might see is a lot more people actually selling their properties, mm. moving into renting or trying to move into renting or downsizing. And that basically could mean that there are a lot more properties on the market all of a sudden, which could also mean that if you flood the market with lots of properties to buy, then prices could move downwards slightly. So that's one of the things that could happen. And also, if you're a buy-to-let landlord and you're thinking your costs are going up mm. and you can't put your tenants' rents up anymore because rents are already very high, then you might think, actually, do you know what? Um, I'm going to sell properties as well. So if there's suddenly a glut of properties to sell on the market, then that will affect the relationship between supply and demand and property prices could dip a little bit. Mm. Now, Speaking of house prices going down, one homer got in touch with the show wondering whether she should sell now to make the most of today's high house prices. Here's her question. Given the talk of property prices crashing, would it make sense to sell our property now and then rent for a year or longer with a view to buying again when prices have gone down? I currently own a £600,000 flat and want to trade up to a house, ideally in the same area of London, but can't currently afford the jump. I have a fixed-rate mortgage set at 1.6% until February 2025. OK, James, I'll ask you your views <laughs> first on this one. I mean, 1.6% yes. well, until know, February 25. That looks pretty good to me. I would, I would think very carefully before junking a 1.6% mortgage uh, till 2025 in the current climate. Um, the other thing to say is that buyers will be playing the same game as, as she will. So it's, it's shifting already from being a seller's market to being a buyer's market. As buyers are saying, well, I'm not prepared to pay these prices. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of strain in that respect. Uh, or just simply deciding not to buy at all. We're starting to hear a bit of this from estate agents. Um, will the drop in prices offset what she'd have to pay in mortgage costs because interest rates have gone up? That's a calculation she would have to do, mm. um, and that would tell her, you know, yeah. at least 
today, what the main thing is. To, but the other thing, in terms of her idea of renting, if if you're in London, yes, it it was always cheaper to buy than to rent at two percent mortgage rates. But now it's reversing, so cheaper to rent. Mm. So there could be something in that. Well, Andrew. <laughs> Rose's assertion, I currently own a £600,000 flat. Mm. I mean, we have these numbers, don't we, seared into our brains. (laughs) Like, you know, my house is worth this because that's what Rightmove said for my neighbours when it it sold. But we're going to have to let go of these perceptions because if there are fewer buyers coming through, mortgage debt is more expensive, the chances that she could sell that place for 600 k are presumably slipping by the day. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of behavioural economics, isn't it? Um, everyone has been anchored on high prices. Um, it's a re- There's a couple of things at play here. One is it's really difficult to play the market. It really is. And if you cast your mind back to the start of the pandemic, there was loads of talk that property prices were going to crash, property prices were going to fall. Fast forward, and we've seen double-digit house price growth. I bought in 2007, and I thought I was crazy um, and because I thought I was buying at the top of the market. Fast forward a decade, house prices have doubled. It's really difficult to predict. I do not think there's going to be a house price crash. Basically, what we're going to see is house price growth calm down. It will plateau. We might see 0% growth for a year. We might see slight falls, single-digit falls in certain areas. Um, But I don't think we're going to see a crash. And also, there's the concept of relativity. If you've got something to sell and you're going to buy and trade up, then either you're selling at a high time and you're buying at a high time, and that's relative, or if you sell when maybe you don't get what you think you'll get for your house – the place you're buying, you'll probably get a, a cheaper price as well. And actually, if you're trading up, the saving you're going to get on the place that you're buying is going to be greater than the loss you're going to make on selling your your pro- existing property for a little bit. So everything's relative. And it's all about moving or buying when it is good for you. And that's the most important thing. Well, A great piece of advice, Andrew, to end on there. Thank you so much, Andrew Montlake from Corico, James Pickford from the FT, for joining me on this Money Clinic Mortgages special today. Now, one thing that you can check out, me, James, Andrew and our colleague Nathan Brooker are about to go upstairs where we're answering reader questions on a special FT Q&A. It's free to read. There's a link in the show notes where you can look at that. Many more questions will be answered in that. That's it for Money Clinic this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, leave us a review. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, then get in touch. Our address is money at ft.com, or send me a DM on social media. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced by Persis Love and Philippa Goodrich. Our executive producer is Manuela Saragosa. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner, and the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, as I said earlier, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find a mortgage broker or independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye.